You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Tonight's episode will be recorded all in one take. So settle in and ignore part of it. So did everybody uh, enjoy their little summer hiatus? Yeah. Now we're recording on the summer solstice, which means that... Um, first day of summer, right? It's first day of summer. It's the longest day of the year. Well, but and, you get uh, what he's saying, right, though? I mean, it's been hot. Well, and we had, what, three weeks off? We had three weeks off. We had a little bit of time off. Yeah, I think we all took uh, long, luxurious vacations. I thought you were going to say long, luxurious say, bubble bath. I ran out of my house and like threw my notebook in the air and uh, <laughs> just let it go yeah, all over the lawn. out <laughs> forever. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. good. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Boy. Yeah, I had a, had a nice little bit off I, for the most part. I, speaking of Alice Cooper, because that comes out of my mouth a lot of times, mm-hmm. I saw, like, you know, and then his old age, like, he still has that long hair, but he has it, like, pulled back in, like, this stupid ponytail, and he has, like, a Make America Great again cap on, and he's, like, playing golf. That's all he does. Well, he? he's you know, he's big into golf, but he does have um, the world's best song about necrophilia, um, Cold Ethel. Oh uh, yeah! Introduce me to that. Um, um, welcome uh, to my nightmare. I believe it's the record. I, I know. I, I know the welcome to my nightmare song. Anyway, Alice. We're Cooper. here to talk. Why haven't we ever done an Alice Cooper? I don't know, but I think we should. Like that's kind of that kidding? got me to thinking. Yeah, yeah. We, maybe. Yeah, we should. I don't know. I'm just saying. Up till now, I mean, it seems ripe for. I don't know. Ripe for the picking discussion. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do some theme music. So I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. I'm Gavin. And I'm Mark. Somebody likes it. Are retiring from things. Very similar, very similar high-profile entertainment retirements in the well, last. Well, I know that when I was a kid, I had a buddy who played drums, and he thought Peter Chris was the worst drummer he'd ever heard. I didn't really, I couldn't really tell on those Kiss records or whatever. I don't apparently, he's retiring from touring. Well, the lowest level of music industry news there. Especially if you're Peter Chris and you don't. I mean, what do you? I mean, you know, I'm sure, his his band is like Peter Chris's All Star Superstar Kiss, and they all like have. Like they play makeup like on county fairs. Yeah, but they have like makeup uh, on that are like somewhat reasonable kiss, but you know not but enough it has to, to be get just different enough to trademark infringement. Yeah. At his age, it's like mostly the audience that has makeup on, and his makeup is mostly for shading. Yeah, that's probably true. So, yeah, and Daniel Day Lewis is retiring from uh, acting. So, yeah. so, like I said in the in the top of this, like very similar. Yeah. Entertainment styles. If you're in the public eye once every four years, you don't have to make an announcement. Just stop. Like well, that's really no all you have to do. Drinking the milkshake. Apparently, are you not getting this reference? No, Shane's he, looking at oh. me like a dog being shown a card trick. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know what I you're. Don't, yeah, what are you uh, there about? will be blood. Uh, oh, I didn't see that movie. Oh. I don't know why. You should. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, no. Anyways, Peter Chris in that. I believe she was. See, I, wouldn't yeah. it, I think the world would be just a better. wearing like full on kiss makeup, like for no really good reason either. <laughs> just he just, in, he's he in just every scene. wandered through the through, yeah. through the set. Yeah, and they they liked it, so they didn't cut him out. Now, I'll tell you that would if you if you substituted, you know, put Daniel Day Lewis behind the drums and then Peter Chris in full makeup. I'll bet like Daniel Day Lewis behind movie. the drum kit would be better than Peter Chris on the silver screen. Well, the best part about that would be like to or not on the drum kit. He's to, not very the good. best part would be to not make the movie, 
but to tell Daniel Day Lewis that you're making the movie, and he would stay in character as Peter Chris for like weeks on end. Dude, that's, my mind that's how that here. shit happens. That's right. Yeah. Uh, what are we here to talk about today, gentlemen? Billie so, Holiday. Similarly. Lady in Satin. Which was the last album she recorded. I thought it was her second. I didn't want to particularly pick her last album just because. You, uh, you did. I did. And I guess it's somewhat fitting because it's. This is our last show? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because, because what I wanted to talk about was the decline of her and vocals and how a once brilliant, shining star like slowly Well, so at some point you're going you're gonna to want to play something from earlier because yeah, I, I don't think she sounds like crap. No, I think she sounds great. And so that's so that's something I wanted to – this album is is so incredibly depressing. What's it called again? It's uh, called Lady and Sap. Lady and Sap. Yeah, and yeah. this is one of the um, – I'm normally loathe to do this on the show is to, if, we, if we have somebody that's like an outsized personality, you know, a la Frank Sinatra. We ended up talking the whole show about Frank Sinatra and very little about the record. I want to talk about this record quite a bit, but, dude, there is so much to unpack in this woman's life. I mean, it's just – Unbelievable from start to finish, like how many sad, horrible things <laughs> happened to her. I mean, and then then she, you know, she apparently, I, I mean, I've heard some um, some outtakes of her in the '40s where she's like she, she's singing great on the recording, and then she'll forget the song, and then she can't talk. She's so fucked up, and she's like yelling and being abusive to well, everybody. She was like a, a massive alcoholic and heroin addict. Heroin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, she died from cirrhosis, but um, yeah, I mean, there was okay. So yeah, so y- w- what I want to do when we do the, normally, those of you that listen to the show, we, we we listen to three songs as we talk about the record at various points on the show. We'll listen to a song, and on this first break, I want to play part of one of her songs when she's at the highlight of her gift, and when she's at the end of her life, which. She sounds good. Yeah, like when you told me that, um, you know, this record is known for her kind of being like on the downslope or, you know, uh, I went back and listened to it again and I, you can kind of hear it, um, but I don't have like the whole perspective of knowing. No, you like, so I, so I think that, I mean, to your, to, I, here's the thing. I think that, uh, I think it's easy to make the distinction that, um, that she was da- on the downslope of her career. I mean, obviously, like she was dead within a year after this record was recorded. But the, but beyond that, like the thing that that really made her a singular talent was, and you know, lo- a lot of what gets talked about uh, is that her vocal range was not as great as some of her contemporaries. Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah, Ella Fitzgerald's a notable, like notably the one that she gets compared to a lot. And, but her phrasing was so singular it like that it really elevated her craft it is completely singular there's nobody that that ever played with 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 meter like she did except maybe years later and bear with me because ryan. this is true yeah. not ryan uh, willie nelson willie nelson oh, that's a fair point if you listen well, to yeah. willie nelson you're he sounds like an, you're such an awesome night what? <laughs> no, he does. No, I'm saying that as a person that enjoys music, it took me a long time because Willie Nelson is. You know who can lift five five hundred pounds <laughs> over his head? Willie, Willie Nelson. Nelson. <laughs> hey, you know who can drink fourteen gallons of eggs all in one standing? Willie, Willie Nelson. Nelson. Willie Nelson is like the Chuck Norris of this town. But <laughs> that's like, not a bad idea. We should all come up with like Willie Willie Nelson jokes. But but to your like more seriously, like to where you're going with that, Shane. Like I absolutely agree with you. Like I think that that's uh, he. 
very singular delivery styles. Yeah, and like, it, they're off. You know, nobody before Billie Holiday that I was ever aware of. I mean, you sang on the beat. You know, on the beat. She's like if you took a rubber band and just and did this to it. She's all over the place. She's all it, over the place. But it still Shane is works. stretching an imaginary I'm rubber stretching band. Stretching imaginary rubber band. Yeah. But yeah, and that's the thing. She doesn't do that as much on this record. And I think the reason why is because I don't think she knew the songs very well. But the ones that she had sung before, there's one, um, I Get Along Without You Very Well, she had sung before. And that's the one on the record where you see her the most, like, doing the, the Billie Holiday thing. You but know? she also, to your, like, kind of where you were going with that, it's like, in terms of being, um, like, playing with the tempo and being ahead or behind the beat, the like, she knows, she knows that she... Like, she's got to that get there eventually. Well, she knows she knows that that's been her signature and one of the things that she's been able to do successfully throughout her career. So it's like in this last record, like she knows that she's still got that. Like it doesn't matter how her voice sounds, she can still play with that convention. Well, that's part of the reason. So not to to say something in addition to that. Part of the reason I, I like this record in it, but there's a couple of things that I really in, enjoyed about. It. Number one, it's in, I, this is possibly the most depressing record that that we've covered. Dude, it's really pretty. But if you listen to the words, yeah. holy shit. Well, it's beautiful. It's lush. Like yeah. it's it's this it's this contrast between this lushness and this 44 year old woman who sounds like she's 80. Um, you know, that's basically lost everything in her entire life, singing these really sad songs about uh, losing love, or I, I'm a fool to want you, or you know, like there's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good record, but it's, it's somewhat painful, not as painful, but kind of similar as to the, the last album that Johnny Cash did, like the fragility no, in his voice, like yeah, well, he, well, he sounds like he's on his deathbed, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, well, she, to me, she does. You know, but I, not, I, not in the same way. Like it's not in the same way. And she's it had had I never heard some of the earlier shit that she did. Um, you know, I still would have loved this. Uh, it's just completely different. She seen, you know, she has three distinct periods in her life, like in her professional career, the thirties, forties, and the fifties. You know, the thirties she was like in singing in big bands. This came out in what, like 59. Yeah, literally like six months before she died, or I don't know if she sang, recorded in fifty nine, but. In the 30s, she was singing in big bands, um, doing lots of drugs, fucking lots of dudes, and not getting along with anybody. And then in the 40s... Except those dudes, apparently. Yeah. Well, briefly. Apparently, she, she, she was <laughs> not... 15 minutes Apparently, she did not have a good head for men. You know, they, uh, we'll just say that. I did. But, oh, go ahead. Well, in the 40s, then she, then she sang God Bless the Child, and that turned her into an international superstar. Um, which she couldn't hold on to because then she was arrested and thrown in prison in the height of her career. And then after, you know, toward the end of the 40s, they took away her New York Cabaret Club card, which allowed you to sing in places that sold alcohol, which were the highest paying places, like, in America. And so she lost, like, 90% of her income, and she just blew it all on alcohol and heroin. And then in the 50s, you get the stuff like this, where, she, like, she just – her voice has completely gone downhill – um, she was still touring and still had a name for herself, but it's just – it's so sad. It's tragic. Sad. It's tragic. Oh, man, we haven't even gotten into her early life, but um, – Well, we're going to talk about music. Uh, that, that was your um, caveat. So why don't you – No, but I do want to talk I, – I, I want to talk about – when we come back after – the first time we do a break, I want to talk a little bit. That's what I was saying. Normally, I don't want to do that, but there's so much – in this woman's life that I definitely think that it should be addressed. Not the least of which, um, well, we can, we can just, we can just, it's a crazy, look, I'm looking at the cover. Like if you listen 
to the cover of this album, if you listen to her sing, I mean, she sounds like she's in her 70s. Well, why don't you pick a song for us to Oh, okay. So, we'll, okay. so first off, I want to listen to an older song, um, which I want to, I think probably my favorite is um, I'll Be Seeing, her version of I'll Be Seeing You that came out in 44. Um, and then after that, we could listen to... Maybe I'm a fool to want you. That's a that's a pretty sad one. There's a there's a couple on here that aren't as sad. They're a little more not whimsical, but not as like, ah, uh, she's just been beaten and left. I'll be seeing you in all the old familiar places that. This heart of mine embraces all day through. I'm a fool to want you. I'm a fool to want you. To want a love that can't be true, a love that's there for others too. I'm a fool. Two different singers. I mean, yeah, but um, even the one that's messed up, it's like it's, so, it's, it's flavoring. I mean, no, like, it's great. I don't. I'm not saying it's bad music. What I'm saying is. But it, no, she it, sounds beaten down. She, it, sounds she, sounds, like, she sounds like the old lady, like, sitting around the corner uh, smoking an impossibly long cigarette like she has every day for the last 50 years. Right, and she's 43 at the time, I think, that she recorded that song. Yeah. I mean, and if you listen to the older – and, like, a lot of the – I mean, it sounds fra- – it's, it's beautiful. I love her older music. I love the stuff off this record just because of the fragility and the and – the, she really – she has great mic technique still. I mean, she does really good close-up there. Well, it, like, even if, you know, if you juxtapose it and realize that, you know, she sounds weathered and beaten down, she's still better than all the rest of us. She's still better than 99 – even yeah. at that time, 99.9% of any singers, man. I mean – I think the I think the thing that really elevates her work as opposed to the work – even of some other accomplished jazz singers is that she always had a really keen sense of – Self, like she didn't waver on who she wanted to be. Now I know that that probably differs a little bit from some of what you're saying, and no, Shane, I, in terms no, of like her confidence saying. as she gets older. But like she had a perspective. Like she was like, okay, this is this is who I am and what I'm going to try and do. Now her grasp of like how much she could command it, that very yeah. It, like, I think that's a good way to put it. How much she could command it. I mean, there's definitely you don't you don't come out as a singer and be and try the shit that she's doing. Like like especially the stuff that we listen to from the 40s. She's just like. She's, it's almost like watching somebody like fall over and they're just about to tip and then they come right back up and you're like, what the fuck? You know, like somebody really drunk. Or, I'm sure you've all seen things like that. I've never seen a drunk person. Okay, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure you haven't. I mean, no. I don't know if this is just, uh, you know, a symptom of the advancement in music or the way that they recorded, the way that they mixed. But what I noticed about it is that early recording, she's way up front. In the mix. Well, it's definitely and, that. The, 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 and I don't know if, if part of that is that 
they wanted to feature her voice more, and then in, in these later recordings, they're kind of like, it, she needs support. Let's bring well, these strings she has like up. A Forty piece orchestra. It's definitely. Her on this. I think it's a lot of that. Like she needed the support. Like her, she's real upfront in that second mix too. She, but I think it, you know it, it's possibly b- both of the things that you just said. I mean, like definitely advances in recording were happening, and it's the ego of the artist. Like you know what it is. Like they're not gonna let. She's not gonna let them bury her. And then at the same time, it's probably also the era that it was recorded in, right? Which is to say, there are certain types of sound, songs like with big had, orca- orchestral well, uh, apparently movements she had, uh, work. Had listened to uh, Frank Sinatra's "In the Wee Small Hours," which is of the all the records that we've covered. I was like, well, this is obviously the closest one. There's a couple of there's a there's at least one song on this record that's that's on "In the Wee Small Hours." It's it's interesting to me, Ryan, that you guys bring that up because. I was I found myself kind of contrasting not just because we've covered in the wee small hours on this podcast but like I found myself contrasting those two because Sinatra always brought bravado but she in some ways even though she has a firmness of perspective I feel like she brings like a certain fragility vul- vulnerability yeah to, like, yeah, yeah definitely both of those things yeah and they and they they somewhat the orchestration sounds somewhat similar um, similar song choices they came out like right at the same time. Well, I think he used uh, Nelson Riddle. He, he did use Nelson Riddle, but I'm saying like the same similar like big orchestra with trombone and. Well, like, and that's that's the one part that stuck out. I guess it's JJ uh, Johnson was guy named guy's name um, who was not the same JJ Johnson who was, uh, was in the say, early MTV era, or uh, and not the same JJ Johnson that plays drums for Chedesky and Trucks. I did not know about that one, but anyway, he's um, an Austin drummer. There's there's a uh, there's muted trombone throughout this thing and it, like it sounds awesome i love it i think that th- this is what i was going to say I, that you brought up in the waste mile hour it's like i love this record more than that record a lot more actually i just i love the arrangements i like the, the sound of it but there's some there's some really good choices the muted trombone there's the everything just sound it's a good sounding record uh so are these uh, did she write at all like uh or is this no they're like basically of the era just pick yeah. stuff from the yeah. um brill building or whatever uh, yeah, no, she 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 didn't. As far as I know, she never did any writing. But you know, nobody really did. Nobody back did. Then. It, was it wasn't expected of her. No. Yeah. I mean, you would see like blues guys did, you know, um, but like not in the pop world or stuff like this with jazz. Well, and there was a whole, like, you know, there was that whole undercurrent of of dudes who just made a living writing for other people, which obviously yeah, they go to, today, they go but to different work in their suits with their briefcase and yes. go write music in Pan Alley, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's in Penn Alley, like all that, all that stuff. This is a whole different world. You know what that world went away? I think I've talked Beatles. about this. The Beatles. Beatles did it. The Beatles single-handedly put hundreds of professional songwriters out of work. Because think about it now. Who uses professional songwriters? If, if pretty much, I don't know, ad agencies? Pop, well, yeah, pop singers. Pop singers like, pop just, singers, like yeah. Justin Bieber Sweden. in hip-hop, in country, yeah. country music. But, you know. You don't you don't see it like, but it, yeah, it was a very distinct thing. Um, you know, these people write music, these people perform it. Um, yeah, and never the twain shall meet. Well, I you know it always used to really get on my nerves, and people would say you don't really run into it as much when you're out of your twenties, but to some degree they're like, oh fuck that dude, he doesn't write his own songs. And, well, neither did Elvis. Oh, who cares? Or Frank Sinatra, yeah. or Billie Holiday, or Ella Fitzgerald, or Louis Armstrong, or you know. Like it's just such a weird. But you, you know, know what I, I'm talking about. I, I mean, remember when sure. I was in college, this yeah. girl like uh, was shitting on the Pixies because they did a cover, and I was like, <laughs> "Fucking get over yourself!" Yeah, they did a cover, a cover. of a, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ, Jesus and Mary Chain song, it, and I was, I was like, 
So what? It's, it's a really, really misplaced good. concern. You know what yeah, I mean? Like well, why? She was like twenty. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You don't really run into that as much when you're out of your twenties, but as you did like back then. Um, hey, before we before we listen to another one, we probably should. Um, I just want to read. I one of the things I really love uh, doing is is checking Twitter for official accounts of like people like Billie Holiday who've been dead for seventy years or whatever. Um, and it always leads you to Wait, like, what? No, it's true. Like there are official She's accounts been dead that sixty years. Well, Kevin. I'm sorry. Like yeah. anyway, point being like um, that she would have an active like current social media account, and on that medium yeah. is kind of hilarious. And anyway, what it, what it does though is if you search for that stuff, it brings up all of these like anybody else who tweets anything that is related to that particular person and anyway i feel like there's probably a lot of stuff with billy holiday that pops up that, that reads a lot like this guy which he, he's like i know one no one's life is actually a movie but they're playing billy holiday while i sit alone drinking wine over, <laughs> and i was like i was like yeah that's probably like that is the that's the story but i can like even as sad as it is like to where you were going shane like i can listen to billy holiday under any circumstance, yeah, me and it just too. pleases find, me to no end. I find her the same way, and part of that is just because, like, you say, I mean, there's there's moods that are set, but just just because she's such a singular talent, like, regardless of what point in her career she's in. So, I don't know. You guys want to do another one of these? Let's, Let's do, do another. All right, I'll listen to this one. It's a little more whimsical. There's whimsy on this record? I, I, that, hold on. You, you didn't get, let me get my hand up to do my air quotes. It's but, stunt whimsy. But it's – okay, so so the song that we listen to, like – that band. <laughs> wait, stunt whimsy? Yeah. That's yeah it's, not, it's just the fill-in whimsy. I just, as soon as you said that, for some reason, like the, the opening to the fall guy just popped in my head. I don't sure. know Because um, he was a stunt man. I don't know. You guys remember that show, The Fall Guy? Yeah, like he like skids across a, a, like a, a car. Yeah. That's uh, – yeah. Yeah. That's all I remember. That's actually the only thing I remember <laughs> about that about that opening montage. Anyway, okay, so we listen to "I'm a Fool to Want You," and there's a lot of these. That just sounds like a woman that is been like that is that is in love with the man that gets drunk and beats her up. I mean, that's pretty much how her voice sounds on this record too. And there's "You Don't Know What Love Is." I um, there's a lot on on here of songs like that on here that are just 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 irredeemable, you know, uh, the characters in them, but. But beautiful, uh, I think is, is is almost there's almost a redeemable part of it. It gets it, it's sad. It's very sad and, and heartbreaking in every way. But just, so, which one are we listening to? But beautiful. All right. Love is funny, I'd say. It's quiet, it's mad. It's a good thing, it's bad. But beautiful. Beautiful to take a chance, and if you fall, you fall. And I'm thinking, 
So right around the turn of the millennium, there was a really great NPR interview between uh, Murray Horitz of the American Film Institute and A.B. Spellman of the National Endowment for the Arts. And one of the questions that Horowitz asked Spellman, and they talked specifically about this record and her later career. And uh, one of the questions that was asked of, of Spellman was like, how did she choose her repertoire for this album? And Spellman said she chose her repertoire on the basis of the lyrics. She wanted to do songs that she hadn't done before. And so she and Ray Ellis, who was the arranger on this record, and her lawyer went down to the Colony Record Store and thumped through the sheet music. And Billy read the lyrics. She never did learn how to read music. And she picked out the lyrics that she enjoyed the most, the ones that she thought she could do the best job with, and that's how the record was chosen. Makes sense. I mean, because if you didn't know that she didn't write, I mean, there was a theme throughout. Well, yeah. Also, it's kind of, it kind of even makes it even... Kind of puts a little more tragic dust on the top of that because tragic dust because uh because you know every every song on there is ball bustingly sad so it just kind of shows you where her head was at that time you know I think Gilbert Gilbert O'Sullivan is a big Billy Holiday fan <laughs> probably of this particular record this is probably like when he was writing Alone Again Naturally whenever he took his breaks he would put on some of this old Billy Holiday get inspired. <laughs> he, he like he, every, every every draft he would be like, okay, is it sad enough yet? And then listen to his record. Nope, nope. Let's gotta right, go, go back. Gotta, in. gotta go back. And... Gotta dial yeah. up the blues. Yeah, I mean, pretty song, but if, if you dig into the lyrics, uh, like, uh, man. Well, and that, that one of the reasons I like that song is like that she's she's very expressive when, with her emotions. Like when she's smiling, you can see she's smiling. Um, it's, in the song, sounds, you no, can, it, hear, she's you can hear it in her voice. She has like kind of an Eartha Kitt kind of quality too. Well, in these later recordings, she does. Like I definitely hear the Eartha Kitt stuff all over it. Um, it's another young woman that sounded <laughs> like she was a lot older. Well, I listened to this uh, this week and um, went back and listened to some Edit James, and I got fall on the side of the Edit James. Uh, like not that they're necessarily the same thing, they're but not- like you brought up uh, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago. You know that uh, Billie Holiday, you know, be in the conversation for like best female vocalist of the 20th century. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, I went back and listened to Etta James, and I'm like, man, like, and maybe it's just because she was at such a nadir at this point. Uh, Billie Holiday was, mm-hmm. but when I went back and listened to Etta James, I'm like, man, I got, I got to go with her. Well, Etta James is great, but again, I think that if, for the best female vocalist of the century, I'd put the, the middle part of her career over this. I mean, like I, like I said before. They're essentially two different singers. I mean, she's singing well, sure. So I, I wrote different. myself a note. I wrote, "Billy Holiday is to Frank Sinatra as Etta James is to Otis Redding." Well, I mean, that's fair. Of kind of a fair statement. Um, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. They both played with phrasing in a similar ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Sina- I don't think Sinatra would have been Sinatra. With, he's another one like just like Willie Nelson. So yeah, that's the that's the it triumph. It comes back to Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Willie Nelson. Hey, you know who can drink 100 pounds of jelly beans and still run 50 miles? Willie Nelson. Nelson. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, I, I hear 100 pounds of jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> he drinks them, too. You know, like, uh, just, just can't even do the math. But I'm like, trying to figure out I'm, I'm trying to, like, think of stuff that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, <laughs> Willie Nelson. Yeah, he's uh, our Paul Bunyan. Uh, Austin, <laughs> the Paul Bunyan of Austin, except instead of like having like a like an axe over his shoulder, he's, he's like, like holding a, holding a bong. 
Yeah, are we talking? <laughs> yeah, he's got a giant joint over his yeah. shoulder. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff. All right, all right, boys. Time for an intermission? Yeah, let's do an intermission. Hey, kids. So, uh, okay. why do you turn into Bozo the Clown <laughs> every now and again? I don't know. Whatever. Um, so, uh, Ed, and don't don't sass me, Ryan. I'm this. I'll uh, sass this, you all I want. Okay. Whoa. Okay. Calm down, boys. All right. But we're gonna come to head thumps. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, um, uh, I was telling you not to sass me because uh, the middle segment today. A few minutes with is some AM gold. So I was like, oh, if nice. you'll just shut the fuck up and let me get there, you'll. We're just gonna. We'll put you in a happy place. So today's today's uh, middle segment is brought to you by Robbie Dupree and Steal Away. I know that song. I don't know that song. Oh, I, I think I thought I it was the like Doobie you, Brothers. I think though. you're just making it up. Right no, now. no. There's a little bit of Michael McDonald in there, but we'll talk about that on the other side. This is a song from his 1980 debut album, uh, also called Robbie Dupree. Well, that was apparently his introduction to the uh, stage at um, Perfect Ten or something. Robbie Dupree, everybody, (laughs) on the main stage. (laughs) Welcome to the stage. Tip your bartenders. (laughs) Anyway, that song song peaked at number six. If you get a chance, there are lots of versions of Steal Away on the YouTubes. But if you could find the one that uh, that's American Bandstand, uh, American Bandstand version, it's pretty great. That like, shit is so awkward to me because they're so obviously awkward. not playing like it's a they're you know just lip syncing Yeah, but so it, it just took me to like a couple things. If you're the percussionist, yeah. like or you have to you act like you're playing, but not really hit. No, I think the they, skins. I think they like, do hit it. I think for the people that are there, I think the music is so loud in the studio that they don't notice it. Like okay, yeah, that's the other thing I was gonna think. Like you know, if you're you know, a, a dancer uh, right. or, or audience member at this point, like, do you just hear the kind of awkward non-playing? Yeah, you, um, just, you just, it's just like one guy, like, uh, doon, 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 yeah, doon. I mean, if you're and like, if you're, no, I know, I guarantee you the music had to have been turned up really loud, like, to, to where the, the you think people in the audience actually thought they were playing? I don't think they. Th- I don't know. I don't know if they thought they were playing, but if they, you know, they American Bandstand. But it's it's weird. It's just they it's would musical dance to that mind. stuff. And he'd it come is. up, and you know, Dick Clark would come up and uh, congratulate them on their performance. It was like pop of, they top of do. the pops in in, in England. England. Yeah. yeah, this is my my favorite part of stuff like this is looking up the Wikipedia entries on on this this jazz. And he says the 
It says here, the lyrics suggest a romantic meeting between two lovers. Dupree skillfully asks that they, quote, steal away into the night, knowing that it is wrong yet irresistible. I do like so. the song, man. I do oh, too. yeah, no, it's totally I was totally familiar with that song. I was familiar with that song. I haven't heard it as much. Um, he does look like Michael McDonald. He does. So that I am forgiven for thinking it was. Uh, no, well, well, and then there's a breakdown part where it sounds exactly, exactly like the Doobie Brothers. Yeah. The like, song's keyboard arrangement is notably similar to that of the Doobie Brothers' '78 song "What a Fool Believes." And so, so when did like, this come like, out? This is, this got to be like early 80. '80s. Yeah, it's a couple oh, yeah. of years I know after that, that song. It does sound just like that. Yeah, yeah that's what. And it I was. always yeah. thought that um, that like it's the what a fool believes Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? I uh, I always thought that that was that that was Michael McDonald singing backup on on this track, but I guess not. Like anyway, yeah, it's very much yeah, in that wheelhouse, just like that. You know, I love that shit. By the way, like I love st- songs like that, just easy breezy. But like, I hate uh, yeah. rock and roll from the seventies. I fucking hate it. I don't, I don't know why. Like why my brain just goes into two different places but like all that classic rock shit like i just can't stand it but give me like a cheesy fucking candy dupree song all about it candy dupree candy dupree <laughs> candy dupree <laughs> ladies and gentlemen it, give it up can, for candy can, dupree on the pole candy dupree. Candy dupree. <laughs> so gross i think i think what we ought to do hey you guys i think we can never swing it we should do a soft Just rock. Ask if we can all be swingers. No, <laughs> stay with me, ass. Stop talking. Like I think we should do a. I think we should do a soft rock mixtape from a patio somewhere with uh, pictures with, of margaritas. With, 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 with yeah, with pictures well, of margaritas. Various drinks that require uh, <laughs> yeah. accoutrement. And my like, yeah, like yeah. like a various things and... that that yeah that have bright blue colors in some of them. Yeah, yeah and, like, I'd be down for that. And just a, like a swath of shag carpet. I don't know about the shag carpet part. Like we I'm break. down with that. I'm Kevin not, and I, I grew I up. Like well, it, just our, where do we the get first it? house I remember had really lush, uh, like shag carpeting. It was green shag carpeting. Yeah, even better, like split pea soup. Anyway, so yeah, so that's "Steal Away" by Robbie Dupree. That song charted at number six in 1980, and also landed him a an awkward beginning to an interview uh, with Dick Clark that never quite makes the YouTube cut. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, Ryan. Uh, since we hadn't recorded in a while, and uh, since you have been you a little bit on the mend, to me. Uh, yeah, this is a that's a that's a heal up. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm all about midsection. It. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's get back into um, some sad. So I threatened earlier to read a little bit about her life. It's just it's a dude. It, it's just a singular. The, the, the word you used a minute ago was Dickensian. It's Dickensian. Yeah. Here, let me just start, and, I'm, and I'll read you some highlights. And this is granted. This is, is isn't shit you have to dig hard into. This is a, literally on her Wikipedia page. Okay, she was born Eleanor Fagan. Wait, already we're talking Dickensian. I didn't even think about that. Fagan. Yeah. Um, she was the daughter of an unmarried teenage couple. Not long after she was born, her father abandoned the family to pursue a career as a jazz banjo player, and her mom moved to Philly. Jazz banjo? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is in like 1916. I know, but I just in- didn't know. Interpreted that was banjo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ban- banjo wasn't long for the world of jazz, but yeah. So anyway, so her mom took what were known as transportation jobs, which were like she was on, on ra- she was working on the railroad all the long day apparently, and she was raised by. 
uh, some other woman's mother-in-law. Um, so then eventually, uh, yeah, it doesn't say who. It just says, like, some, some woman's some mother-in-law. raised her. Yeah, so she had no parental guidance, so she would, like, frequently skip school. Oh, and let me explain. She's about nine at this point when she's, like, getting all these – she's getting arrested for truancy and skipping school. Um, then she was sent to, like, a Catholic reform school. They paroled her after nine months. Uh, by the age of 11, she had dropped out of school and never went back. So then her mom returned home one day in 1926 to discover a neighbor attempting to rape her. She was 11. Um, they placed both of – they arrested her mom and her and placed them in protective custody. But not the dude? No, I, I guess he was he was arrested, but it doesn't say what happened to him. And then – so it, it, eventually her mom ended up moving into a brothel. Um, was, As one does. Yeah. And then uh, the house, the brothel was raided. Um, oh, yeah, she became a prostitute at 13, Billy Holiday. Then the brothel was raided. They both spent time in prison. Um, and, they, and this is before she's 15 years old, and it never, ever lets up. It's completely relentless. Um, so anyway. And meanwhile, she made some of the most enduring uh, music of well, that's the, the 20th century somehow. I think part of it's got to be you just have to have some sort of like street. She had to have like the streetwise cocksure. You know, she listened to jazz. And so it's 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 inevitable that if you the only way like we talked about her, like her vocals earlier, like how it's it's there are very few people that are able to do what she does. But she kind of sings like a trumpet player, if you think about it, like I can see that, you know, in a lot of ways. And so I think I feel like she was maybe influenced by. You know, trombones, too, like a trombone player, you know, well, like there, sliding. There goes, yeah, the, like she kind of slides in and out of her phrasing and, and right. passages. Uh, Definitely would not have been as popular if she had been influenced by jazz banjo. <laughs> it right. would have been amazing, though. I, at, at some point, and not tonight, uh, I want to know what the fuck a jazz banjo sounds like. Oh, you know, like... I know what a banjo sounds like. No, but like a banjo, you're used to... Like, are you talking like Dixieland? Yeah, like yeah. Dixieland. Yeah, like you're, like you're strumming it. Okay. You fucking have heard that shit, dude. Anyway, here's a picture. I'm just going to flash this around. This is a, this is a picture of Billie Holiday uh, at the beach in 1932. Like, if that doesn't say, like, there's already a lot of miles here. Like, she's in a bathing suit. She's at, it's in Coney Island. She's got a cigarette in her hand. She looks like, oh, this again? Like, yeah, pretty much, like. Well, she just looks like any other, like, like, regular woman at a beach. I don't, know, I don't know. She looks like a human callus to me. I don't know if I, if I would go that far, but um, I don't know. It's It just seems to me that... Um, you, if that's how, like, the stuff that I just read, if that's how things are starting out for you... You're probably not going to have... It's like not a, surprising a good to prognosis me. for the rest of your... No, uh, and, you know, and she was black. Well, I mean, like, one thing that we haven't talked about in particular was, like, we did talk... We did touch a little bit on the Ten Pan Alley stuff and, like, kind of this whole subtext of... Um, or or uh, this whole industry of, of songwriters. But there are a lot of... Yeah, one like one of my favorite jazz artists uh, of of the early part of Billy Holiday's life was Fats Waller, and that guy was an amazing songwriter as well as an amazing Shane is performer. A big Fats Waller fan, actually. yeah. We won't, and we don't have to go, yeah we don't have to go all the way down that road right now. But the but the point is is like 
the the rumors persist to this day that Fats Waller wrote a bunch of songs that he couldn't sell himself because he was he was a black artist. So he sold them to white guys who could sell them, and then he got a cut of the action. Like that's it's the so strange. Isn't to me. it crazy? Um, like you know when you look at like Nat King Cole or something, he like had his own show. Like he'd you know be able to like perform in front of like a giant hall of like white people. But oh, by the way, you can't stay here. Yeah, like, none of it makes sense. No, none it's of it makes nuts. sense. Yeah, like you're in this, you know, beautiful hotel. All these people are paying money to come watch you, but as long as you'd sleep somewhere else. You know who was really good about fighting that stuff, standing up and like kicking people's asses? Sinatra. Sinatra was. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So I mean, there, gonna be hey, there he is right now. Like, gonna be ring a ding for you, bozos. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> That's. The, I don't. Yeah. Bring a ding for you, bozos. I forget about all that stuff. Um, so I, I, I want to, I, I suggest to everyone that's listening right now that you read a piece. It's a Politico magazine. It's called the hunting of Billy holiday. And it's about this dude, Henry Anslinger, who later became the head of what would become the DEA. But during his pursuit of Billy holiday, he was running, uh, what at the time was known as the federal Bureau of narcotics, which is what the federal Bureau of prohibition became. And once prohibition was gone, it eventually became the DEA. It eventually said. did, but yeah. but at the time, like n- you know, none of this stuff was illegal, and so it was going away, and like the the the, the Bureau of Narcotics was going away. So, but I just want to read you the first, just real quick, read you the first paragraph in this in this piece. It's fascinating, and well, I'll read you the paragraph, and I'll tell you a little bit about at the end. It says, "Jazz was the opposite of everything Harry Anslinger believed in." Improvised, relaxed, freeform, it follows its own rhythm. Worst of all, it is a mongrel music made up of European, Caribbean, and African echoes, all mating on American shores. To Anslinger, this is musical anarchy and evidence of a recurrence of the primitive impulses that lurk in black people waiting to emerge. Quote, it sounded, his internal memo said, like jungles in the dead of night. The racist that's, motherfucker. Yeah, that's that's all just undercurrent of racism right there. Yeah, right? completely. But this guy was a piece of shit. He was he was instrumental in getting marijuana uh, made illegal, um, and he 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 you and he blamed it. He said it was a race drug. He blamed it on the Mexicans coming across the border and jazz musicians. And um, yeah, later he ended up running running the DEA. And this this article is fascinating but one of the things that's super depressing is that she was on her deathbed um she got arrested while dying right yeah he arrested her and handcuffed her to the bed while she was dying from cirrhosis and had what 70 cents in her she had 70 cents in her bank account yeah it's fucking crazy this woman's life is just no wonder she picked a bunch of fucking sad songs it sounded like she was at 80 when she was 40 well, I mean, you gotta think like Maybe death was preferable at that point. Um, well, I certainly think that dying of cirrhosis wasn't the worst thing that happened to her in her life. No. Um, <laughs> you know, probably like she was relieved to finally be getting to the. I don't know. Get to the promise then? Yeah. Uh, Shane, you want to play another song? Sure, we could do another song. Um, let's do I Get Along Without You Very Well. I get along. Without you, there you am. Of course, I do. Except when soft rains fall 
drips from leaves than I recall The thrill of being sheltered in your arms Of course I do But I get along without you the all-music review of this uh, record said, This is Billie Holiday's penultimate album recorded when her body was telling her enough was enough. During the sessions with arranger Ray Ellis, she was drinking vodka neat as if it were tap water. Despite her t- ravaged voice, the sweetness had long gone. She was still an incredible singer. The feeling and tension she manages to put into almost every track set this album as one of her finest achievements. You've changed, and I get along without you very well. Our high art performances from the singer who saw life from the bottom up. Interesting perspective. Life from the bottom up. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love this song. And, I do too. I performance. I mean, yeah, she does sound a little raggedy, but like still. Well, like, but she's got. She's really got that thing. Like you can see the, the snap come back, the sparkle, like that. That sort of like fluidity working within like meter that she had when she was younger. But I wonder. My I love that song a lot. It's a Hoagie Carmichael song, and my favorite version of that song prior. To this um, is definitely the Chet Baker version, and Sinatra also records this on "In the Wee Small Hours," which are both versions. Sinatra is another, you know, tr- Chet Baker was a trumpet player, um, and Sinatra was a singer that kind of had that same kind of trumpet player sound to the way that he did his meter, like Billie Holiday did. I wonder if she's familiar with those versions, and that's kind of where why she's playing. Well, she with definitely the, was familiar with Sinatra's version of it, because yeah. But I'm I'm wondering, like, you know, Chet Baker's version came out just a couple of years before she recorded this, so I'm wondering if she heard that because you know, again, like I was saying before, she sounds sort of like a trumpet player. Well, and this has that muted trombone on it, like just the like mellifluous uh, mm-hmm. uh, muted trombone. Trombone's a weird instrument; it can sound like a fucking frog. Wow! <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you do it the right way, and particularly if you mute it, it can be really pretty. Oh, I, lo- I love that shit, man. I, yeah, I listen to quite a bit of it. Hey, can I just say one thing? I was just reading up on the history of the song because I wanted to see what year that Chet Baker recording came out. And there was a recording of the song by the Darudi Column, who, which is a band you guys probably have never heard of. but I have not. The guitar player went on to like play on Morrissey's. Solo record, and, they were and like, there he is. They were like, oh, we got almost we, to the end. <laughs> they were almost like, <laughs> to the end of the show. <laughs> I, I, did, I did that just for Kevin. Yeah, thanks. I thanks. did that. I did that. That's just a, that for slamming Kevin. sound you hear is my forehead on the keyboard, <laughs> probably. <laughs> oh, anyway, well, I had to. Pull, I just had to yeah. once I saw it. Long tail on that kite. <laughs> what was your point? Oh, I know. I really was just doing that. Fuck with Kevin. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> anyway, I you know I think because Kevin says that we well either you or I have to mention Morrissey every or, show and or the Smiths yeah, every yes. show Con- constantly because because really we're talking about Billie Holiday and why wouldn't there be a Morrissey reference? Well, you just <laughs> got one. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess like, the songs net. are sad. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, etc. So uh, she was rocking the pompadour. No, the, the last thing that I was going to mention about Billie Holiday, and I think that we haven't really talked about this, but. Uh, well, in great detail, but I think the one when you're talking about her legacy and sort of, you know, we talk, we've gone on and on about how tragic the life was and all the things that happened, and certainly that's certainly true. But I think you, it's also, I've, we, I talked, about, I mentioned earlier the firmness of her, like, like how sure of who she was as a singer, 
she was during her lifetime. But I also think it's one of those deals where, like, that's a deal where, like, she had a Mark Twain situation, right, where she was famous in her lifetime and realized her gift in her lifetime, and the people around her responded to her gift in her lifetime. And that changes the way that you respond to the world. So I, I hear that in this record. It's like when all the, like, when the gift starts to fray away, but all you've ever known is this adoration, like, you still are, you still know how to step up to the mic and was bring it. Was uh, it Sunset Boulevard? Where it's like uh, Betty Davis was like, no, you know, it's uh, Gloria Swanson. Okay. Oh, I mean, it's Sunset Boulevard's Gloria Swanson. Okay. But, uh, but like where, you know, like you, you've, you've lived past your former glory and you have 70 cents in the bank. Um, man, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think fame is fascinating. Uh, but fleeting. And fleeting. I don't, I just, I'd rather not have it. I mean, by the way, Tell all your friends to listen to this show because <laughs> <laughs> I do want that kind of fame. Ryan, Ryan, you can also listen to Ryan's Under the Rock podcast. <laughs> yeah, but uh, man, just like where you know you couldn't walk down a street, like that, just no, thank you. Uh, and to like gr- grasp onto it and believe that that's your whole worth as a person or whatever, I, I don't know. Like it, to me, it's just bizarre. Well, and if you're, but if you're, you know, like we were talking about earlier, if you start from the bottom up and you know chaos from the very beginning, and this is your way out of it. Like you sort of grab it by the throat. So yeah, yeah I suppose like, it. Yeah, she definitely grabbed life by the throat. And sometimes know. I have a feeling, from what I've read, that her husbands and boyfriends grabbed her by the throat. But sounds you know, like it. It's a very complicated, complicated life. But I love Billy Halliday, and I'm really pleased that you uh, chose this record. Oh uh, yeah, me bringing. too. I, uh, yeah, I'd love her. I think at some point, somebody we rarely do this, but we we one of us should. Pick one of her mid-career records just to hear like the contrast between the two styles. That but. sounds like a good plan. Okie dokie. So Ryan, what you got? Uh, Okie dokie. Um, so at the drive-in has reconvened. Um, Twenty years on or whatever it's been. Um, you ever been to a drive-in? Up. I have been to a drive-in. It's fun. Were they all seeing the same movie? They're like, oh hey, maybe we should get the band back together. Me and my friend when I was in high school, Doug Gilman, brought our girlfriends to a drive-in, and we drank wine coolers and like made out with our girlfriends and barely watched the movie. That Sounds is awesome, and it also sounds like shit I would have done in high school. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but no, there was a band from El Paso called At The Drive-In, who as soon as they kind of broke big with uh, their song One Arm Scissor, um, immediately broke up and formed two other bands. But anyway, they have reconvened, and they put out a new song called Metronome Arthritis. Uh, and it does have an accompanying video, which we will uh, here shortly watch. So let's get in. Good evening, everyone. I'm Ari Povich. Welcome to this special edition of A Current Affair. I guess I've broken my record. 
of uh, that, that one was picking that, a new song. That, that was good. What What was the the first time? It was eight years? Something like that. Seven, in, seven or eight years. Because yeah. because in this segment, that those of you listen to the show remember the, the show the, the the video. The final segment is uh, supposed to be a new song. A current a affair. affair. Yeah. It's supposed to have come out within the last twelve months. And that the, what, the first song when it come out, Ryan. Uh, nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. So eighteen years ago. Uh, anyhow, uh, turns out that that's not a new song, but I was glad we watched it because it was we were able to juxtapose it with a, a genuinely with, with new, the new stuff um, at the drive-in song called Hostage Stamps, which is what we just watched. And the one thing that is consistent uh, between the two, that band always sounds like a rubber band that's about to break. Like if you stretch it out as far as it could possibly go, their entire career recording together sounds like that. Yeah, sure. I'm definitely not the target market for that music. I'm not necessarily either. They they have the the odd song here and there that I like. It's fine. I mean, neither of those songs were bad. Yeah, uh, there's just a lot of tension uh, filled in in their oeuvre. Yeah, I think like the ang- angry, angry, angry stuff. Like they do just it w- angers for angers to sake. Like just I just wonder how hard that would be. Stuff. Like you know, recording that at age 22 makes perfect sense. But if you're like you know 46. Well, I, I well I will say, I don't think they're forty six, but um, I think they're around my age. Okay, well, yeah, I mean they de- they would have they're de- they're getting close to middle age. We'll say that. Our friend our friend Marcos who uh, runs the uh, the bar Barflies, mm-hmm. he knows those guys. He's yeah, right around. Yeah, our yeah, age. they're all yeah. all those El Paso dudes. Yeah, I mean, I thought that the musicianship was definitely a little more complicated on that last song than the first one, but um, I think that's actually kind of a good thing like it just yeah. sort of speaks to the fact that they're like still interested in their craft. right they're not spinning like, their wheels no i'm yeah. saying that that is i thought that was a good thing you contrast that with like um oh like that stone roses track that popped up oh, after Jesus. years where like, they were just yeah. like coasting yeah i like, mean coasting it was like yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was marketing with like a oh, little bit a, of song there's another oh, yeah, there's song. a song to go along with this marketing yeah yeah what was it let's all get together and build a wall like uh, i don't know yeah, I'm about to build it already yeah Build it around that song. <laughs> so we have ever listened to it again. Yeah. Oh, dude, there was one that came out after that um, I listened to, and I can't remember if it was better or worse, but the bottom line is neither one of them were very good. In any case, uh, Hostage Stamps, like, never going to be my favorite song, and they're, they're not long on melody. Um, I did appreciate the uh, Ray Harryhausen style stop motion yeah, uh, it, 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 is that who did all the tool stuff? It, no, it reminds Could have been, me of tool. That's a, that's a band that I, I do. No, not Ray like. Harryhausen did like all those old like all the uh, like uh, Clash Hercules. Of the Titans, oh, um, right, right, all right. those stop that's motion right. things. I right. thought Tool as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tool, it like kind of has that similar like on the edge kind of thing. It, for, but for whatever reason, I like At the Drive-In better than Tool. Neither one of them's ever going to be my favorite band. But they did split into two different factions, and that's going to. Do I have next week? I think I do. Uh yeah yeah you do, um because I'm picking Un- Uncle Tupelo No Depression, mm-hmm. and so they have a similar story dynamic uh, yeah. to at yeah, the drive-in. I, I, I will tell you this: Sunvolt and Wilco sound exactly like Mars Volta and Sparta. Exactly, I mean, they, yeah. they sound, I mean you could not get if two any more similar, <laughs> more, they any should more similar genre wise. They well, should yeah be a big piece in the podcast yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, like, so next week I do want to talk about Uncle Tupelo uh, and their record No Depression, which I've never heard. I okay. have never heard either. All right. 
That's always good. All right. Well, just the good old boys, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Never meaning no harm. Beats all you ever saw. <laughs> been in trouble with the law. Since the day we was born. Till next week. You know who week. else has been in trouble oh, with God. the law since the day he was born? Who? Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, that's true. Well, you know what? The, my best, my f- absolute favorite, like this is a true Willie Nelson story, where, you know, I guess it was about 20 years ago, he like got stoned and just decided to pull his Cadillac off to the side of the road in the middle of nowhere in oh, North and Texas. Oh, he fell asleep. And he fell asleep and, and he got busted him. with a joint in the ashtray. And who the f- and he got arrested. Who the fuck? What kind and of? Those, I remember the quote from it though. Uh, it was like it was just a roach. Yeah. What kind of fucking shithead? Seventy year old man just goes. It was just a roach. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is, what kind of shithead cop? I mean, that sounds like, hey boy, what you got in that ashtray from like 1950? I mean, this is in like 2000. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, but number one, why did Willie Nelson just decide he had to pull off to the side of the road and take a nap and like love? Because he's Willie motherfucking Nelson. That's right. All right, let's get out of here, guys. Till next week, I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Shane. I'm Mark. This is somebody likes it. One of us.net has been your one-stop shop for all things geek for years, but there's a side to them many of you have never heard the subscription side subscribe and listen to great podcasts like the breakfast pub the original gentleman and the watch a movie with us series head on over to one of us.net and don't forget your towel